are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. This episode of the Traditional Outdoors Podcast is sponsored by Great Northern Bow Company. If you're a bow hunter, you're a descendant of a very old and very long line of independent, skillful, and resourceful human beings that reaches back to prehistory. You may not think of yourself as a rare breed, but you are. Bow hunters who use longbows and recurve bows for their hunting are a breed of part. They form a personal connection with their hunting equipment, especially their bows. At Great Northern Bow Company, they design and build every bow with you in mind and with respect for the long and noble hunter-gatherer lineage we are all connected to. They build hunting bows, bows designed to make you the very best bow hunter you can be. How do they do it? By paying attention to what really matters in a bow. Stability, smoothness of draw, reliability, performance, refined design, and by using carefully selected materials. Their bows have an understated beauty and refinement of appearance that will make them hold their appeal for a lifetime. And they still build their bows one at a time by hand. Now, Great Northern Bow Company could build fancy bows, they could build souped-up bows, or they could build bows and make impressive-sounding claims about them. That isn't what they do. They build real-world bows for the real world of bow hunting. If there are any claims to be made, you will be the one to make them. And you'll make them based on the confidence and success you'll experience through many years of hunting with your Great Northern Bow. So consider making your next custom bow a Great Northern Bow, and in the meantime, be sure to check out their website at gnbco.com. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Steve Angel, and got a, a bit of a treat tonight, I think, uh, at least for me, because I'm joined tonight by both of my good friends, Mr. Tom Jurgensen and Mr. Nick View, women talking about getting all three of us together to, to actually uh, have this dialogue that we're going to have tonight. We decided to take a little break from some of the, the, the serious interviews and uh, for the three of us just to, to get on here and, and share some of our uh, hunting adventures, some of our fun stories, and just have a, a little personal three-way campfire chat here about some of our adventures, which you know tend to sometimes <laughs> go a little bit more off the rails than we intended. But uh, so anyway, how's it going tonight, guys? I'm doing great, Steve. Going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to setting the record straight on a few things. <laughs> <laughs> how, how about you, Nick? Oh, going pretty good. It's been kind of slow since I visited you, but you've been a little bit busier. You you shot a buck, didn't you? I, yeah, I did shoot a buck. Uh, actually, it was uh, so I've actually taken two does now and then... Um, I guess a week ago, this past weekend, um, managed to managed to get a, a pretty decent pretty decent buck down in central Georgia on the on the same uh, track of land that you and I hunted for a couple of days. Um, so yeah, it was a pretty interesting story. I know when when you were down there, uh, Nick, we pretty much focused on that the, the southern uh, part of that that piece of property. And it's hard to explain this on the podcast, but they're basically just broken into two separate tracks. The this, the areas that I hunt, there's a, a southern track that borders right on I-75, and then there's a, a northern track um, that uh, it borders another little road. Doesn't really matter, but it's both of the both of the sections that I hunt are 
are pretty close close to um highways one's interstate one's a, just a state road um and i've been thinking about you know when you were down here and we hunted that back section nick i think you saw the the two does with the one little buck and then i had that one little button buck that paraded around me for about 20 minutes but for the time mm-hmm. we spent in the stand we just didn't see that much um and i think you'll remember when you were here i was talking to jerry about that that northern section and we were talking about an old stand that he had up and um i'd actually thought about even hunting that stand and he was a little bit leery of it because it'd been up so long said he wouldn't trust it so i just kind of put it out of my mind but um after you were here i went back and hunted again down there had even less success didn't see anything and i thought you know i gotta i just gotta switch some things up and i got to thinking about it and where where the old stand that jerry had was back during july when i was doing some some scouting down there and and moving some cameras and putting up some stands for uh you know the week that you were coming down to hunt uh i'd found a lot of doe bedding pretty close to where his stand was at um and you'd have to see it there's a there's a the the whole property down there um was was select cut um year before last so there's a lot of fresh growth coming in and in some areas they cut it a lot heavier than they did others and where this where this doe bedding was was in an area that was cut a little bit heavier so now it's just turned into this thick nasty uh, mix of blackberry vines and honeysuckle and um, privet just all kind of you know small scrub stuff but it borders right on some pretty open uh, hardwoods it's a, a lot of oaks so I thought you know what if 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 I was a buck um, if I could get the right wind I thought I would if I was a buck what I would do is come down and actually skirt the edge of that that transition line where it went from the open hardwoods into that that thick stuff and try to scent check it for doe and the last saturday had the perfect wind it was actually blowing uh from that that state road through the thick stuff and out into those open uh hardwoods so i got down there about 5 a.m over an hour before daylight and slipped back in there and um, found a, a beech tree that provided a good bit of cover and uh, the only bad part was it was a, a double beach, so both both sides of that tree were leaning pretty bad. So once I got my stand up in there, uh, if I sat down, it would be almost impossible for me to stand up without making a lot of movement um, or potentially noise. So I just had to stand there. Once it started getting light, I stood up, had my bow you know, in my hand, and I just stood there. Um, and about 7.15, I never even, never even heard him. Um, but just happened to look to, to my right, kind of into that thick stuff. And, and this buck was just about to step out. Um, when he first came out, he was facing directly towards the tree I was in. And when he turned, he was almost directly underneath me. And again, you'd have to see the tree. There was no way I could get a, I couldn't get a shot off unless I'd just been completely prepared and at full draw when he turned, it just wasn't enough room. So, he kind of walked um, parallel across or, or across in front of me, and then he turned and started walking straight away from me. And at this point, I've got my bow up. I've got my, you know, I've got slight tension on the string. I'm just waiting on him to turn and give me a, a broadside shot. 
And after a few seconds, I realized he was pretty much going to try to continue going the way he was going. So, you know, I, I gave a little uh, blade and he, he didn't even flinch. He didn't stop. So at this point, I start thinking, you know, can I, can I take this? It was a steep quarter and away angle. Did I feel like I could take the shot um, and actually not only get to the vitals? I knew I could get the vitals, but could I get, a, could I get an exit wound that was going to give me a, a decent uh, track to follow? Um, and, and Tom, you'll appreciate this. I just switched back to using some Trit Simmons tree sharks. Mm. I got some in the mail the week before. Um, so, you know, a, a, a much wider head than I'm, I'm used to hunting even wider than those Magnuses. And I'm sitting there going, you know, 800 and I think it's 840 grains of arrow. I said, you know, I know I can, I'm, I'm pretty confident that I can get a, a deep enough, uh, shot that i that i can get an exit so i pick a spot um that i knew was far enough back uh kind of thought in my mind where what the angle would be so i would get an exit through this the the center of the chest or to the the right side of the chest and i hit anchor and i gave a you know a pretty loud um blat and and he stopped at that point and as soon as he stopped the arrow was on the way and i i actually watched the arrow i mean it and Nick, don't you give me any bragging stuff here. Uh, but I, I sat there and watched the arrow hit exactly uh, at the point I was looking at, just right ahead of the um, rear ham on the slightly on the left side of the uh, spine, and it just was gone. I saw the feathers disappear. I did have a lighted knock on, and I could just barely see the light, so I knew it didn't go all the way through, but uh, um, pretty much a full-length shaft, I knew it was going to be you know sticking out the chest and it's the only deer i've ever shot that did a, a high leg kick just as soon as it hit him he you know almost looked like he was going to flip over forward so i was pretty sure i hit heart um and i watched him run off out of sight it was so damp i really couldn't hear him go down but i felt really confident so to make a long story short i wait waited another uh figured i'd wait an hour before he can climb down managed to see a couple more bucks that morning though both of them were a good bit smaller um, and I posted a video online of the, the tracking. He made it about, I guess, total about 80 to 100 yards um, and actually ran right to the road. He, he, he was probably less than 15 yards from the road that I drive in on. Uh, Nick, you remember you come through that gate and you drive through that little bit of grass. He was you know, right there on the edge of that grass. So um, ended up being a, a three-and-a-half-year-old, probably – Probably the oldest buck I've taken with traditional gear, um, definitely the largest bodied, um, and the the horns were, while they weren't that, that wide, there was just a, a lot of mass to it. So, yeah, I was, I was really, really proud of him. So, almost made it, made up for all the time I've sat in the stand and seen absolutely nothing. <laughs> there you go. You redeemed it. You redeemed the season. And I couldn't tell from the video that you were back almost by that clearing. That's that's interesting because you said when you were you were tracking it and you were you were babbling when you were walking. You said uh, that oh, it's going to end up right back by my truck, and <laughs> I didn't put two and two together that it was headed back that way. Yeah, if you go back but, and look at the video, um, the it's like the not the last the first picture that I posted that's in the end of that video. If you look, you can see the grass, which is that road where we drove through coming in, right before you hit the power line where we parked each time, or the gas line, hmm. excuse me. Yeah. 
You're lucky you didn't decide to go for a nice little swim. Uh, don't, don't, <laughs> that's not even funny after the bear. Don't even go there. Well, <laughs> well actually the only, I was going to say, Steve, I, I, I probably care less about, you know, numbers of points and inches and white tailed deer than anybody. And that was a beautiful, beautiful animal. And, uh, you know, congratulations for sticking it out and seeing it through to the end, man. That's a, a, a just a fantastic, beautiful, beautiful creature. Mm -hmm. It was. You could tell that was a really nice deer. But the reason why I was thinking that was that uh, when I was sitting in that stand, you know, I kept looking out over the pond and I was just like, you know, if I do get anything here, it's probably just going to go run and jump in the pond. So, because <laughs> that pond was right there with all the cows milling around it, you know. Yeah, but the, po uh, the pond you can get, you can get, you, we can, there's a, there's a boat there. We could, if it, if you just shot something ran in the pond, we could have got that. <laughs> but yeah that's i mean no it was a beautiful deer absolutely beautiful deer and i'm glad you got that footage too i thought it was it was a trip it was almost like i was there with you you know going to recover that thing and uh that was cool well one of these days i'm gonna i'm gonna get the the the, the camera working correctly where i can actually you know get the full hunt i've had uh i've hauled around a, a lot of camera equipment this year and just had rotten luck either the the camera would start recording and, and then stop or the SD card got corrupted. And in fact, that morning I had the camera in the, in the truck. And when I was getting my gear out, I said, you know what? I'm not even going to take it. I'm just going to slip in and get up and, and get set up as quietly as I can. So the, the, I had the camera, but it was in the truck. I never even took it out that morning. So, hmm. so you, Hey, do you think you're, uh, do you think you're on the tree sharks now? You know what? I, I, I've never had a bad experience with those tree sharks. Um, and, I, you know, I'll be honest. The only reason I really stopped shooting them years ago was because I started carrying the Magnus uh, Classics and the Snuffers. And mm -hmm. I, I really felt like if I was going to sell something, I wanted to, I wanted to be, you know, using the same product. So sure. that's the reason I stopped using um, the sharks. And I will tell you also, the, uh, the main reason, and, and Tom, I, I'm pretty sure you'll appreciate this, but the main reason that I decided to order a set of them um, is I actually wanted to get a set in, try them out, make sure I could I remembered how to get them really good and sharp, and that they that they flew well out of my setup because I'm gonna be going back to South Carolina for hogs in March, and I don't want to repeat of last year. That was just very frustrating for me, and. Um, even though it probably doesn't mean a whole lot, it does from a, a confidence perspective. So, um, and this one, yeah. this one example of last weekend gave me a lot of confidence. Let me tell you. Hmm. Well, we'll have a whole separate episode on broads, broadheads. I'm sure. Cause there's two or three hours worth of talk about just that right there. So yeah, there, there he is. And I know the, I know that the, especially the tree shark goes against some of the, some of the things we've already talked about. But again, like I said before, if you're, if you're pushing enough weight and you've got enough, you've got enough bow weight, you can get away with bending some of those rules a little bit. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, uh, I guess before we kind of jump in here, Tom, was there, was there, is there anything you've been up to that you, you wanted to share real quick or do you just want to kind of yeah, get into, get into, our, it. Get into yeah, our discussion? We can catch up later. Well, I think the, I think the, you know, what was it, uh, Grandpa oh, Sody? I'm trying to remember his net. What did they call? Anyway, if you if you if you want to know the, 
You got to start at the beginning. What's it? How does it go, Nick? Leave it to the Southern guy to totally botch the greatest line. I haven't watched it this year. Come on. His, his great grandpa Alphonse always said, "If you want, if you, wait. You want to know where to give start? Me a hard time. If, if you want to know where to start, go, go back to the beginning. There you go. So go back to the beginning. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna. This this whole thing kind of started with you and Tom, Nick. So I'm gonna let you start out with uh, with how this all got started. Well, you know. Tom and I, Tom and I kind of tiptoed around each other those those first couple of years. I started in 2009 and I ended up, you know, cuz I we both lived near the Grand Rapids area. Um and where I ultimately ended up shooting was Grand Valley Sporting Goods. And that is kind of I mean that's basically where Tom was shooting too being in the Spring Lake Grand Haven area, um, which is closer to the lakeshore. And I also worked at Grand Valley State University. So there, that, that's in Allendale where Grand Valley Sporting Goods was. So we had roundabout shot with the same people. Um, Bill Cooper had pretty much taught me how to shoot. Tom was shooting with Bill Cooper. Um, we kind of were walking the same circles and we had seen each other, but didn't really, I didn't really know who Tom was. Um, plus we were both on trad gang mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, and I think that's about right. Tom, you were shooting with Bill at the yeah, time, right? I was just starting to, uh, to shoot with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm, same here. So we had both kind of, and Grand Valley was a great place to shoot because most of the ranges would charge you nine bucks for a half an hour or whatever it was. You could go to Grand Valley, and depending on what you wanted to shoot, you could shoot for like six bucks and shoot all, or pay six bucks and shoot like all day. So I'd go in um, on Wednesday, or and then Saturday I was shooting a couple days a week, and, and Bill at the time, we, we call him Bullseye Bill, he was, he was uh, laid off, I believe, and he was shooting a lot. He was helping them out at the store, and he was always there. It was always this trad guy shooting a Black Widow. So we, um, we kind of cut our teeth with Bill. And, but we were uh, never there the at the same time. trad shop. No, we never did at the same time. That was so weird. That was weird about it, the weird part about it. And, and really not weird for Bill because Bill had taught so yeah. many people going through there at different times. And now you would, I mean, when we first had our traditional leagues, there wasn't a lot of people there, but now if you go to a traditional league and I haven't been for, I missed every time last year, there's a lot of people there. Um, so the closest traditional shop, because Grand Valley is not really a traditional shop. They got some traditional stuff there, but mainly to keep people like Bill happy. We're with some odds and with some <laughs> odds and ends, you know, and Bill would influence kind of what they ordered a little. So they had some bear stuff in there and stuff like that. But they'd always tell you, you want to go see Tom in, in at black dog outfitter over there in sand Lake. And Tom Hackbart is the guy who owned it. And it was actually a shop within a shop. Um, they eventually moved to Rockford, but they started in Sand Lake, which is about, I, mean, I don't know how many miles outside of Grand Rapids, Tom, you, you know that it was, it wasn't too far, about a half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely on a snowy day. It's about that. Yeah, yeah it was. And, and it was funny because it was, Tom had this little teeny back corner of this shop was dedicated to trad and he packed a lot of trad stuff in there. Mm-hmm. So I, that was my shop, Tom shop, you know, whenever we had a chance, we'd go in there again. I never saw him in there. Um, but I kept telling my dad about it cause you know, up North we didn't have any trad shops. He had just started shooting 
And uh, he came down to visit, and I said, Dad, we got to go to Sand Lake, and we got to go see Tom, and I got to show you, you know, a, a traditional archery shop. You've never seen anything like it. So I went in there um, with him that day, and there was this lanky guy at the counter with glasses. It was like and 7 o'clock on like a Thursday night in the middle of a blizzard. Yeah. It yeah, sucked. It was, yeah, it it was, was ran- random. Random. It was random, and and he's got his bow. He's got oh, a bow on the counter, and it was one of those Mad Dog mutts, um, which was like the guy would take odds and ends, yeah, and make a bow out of them, right? And they were they were economical, and uh, you never knew what you were going to get. You know, it was multicolored, and and I had never seen one in person. And I get a little bit of foot and mouth anyway. I, you know, so I. <laughs> you come on. <laughs> I walked up. I I walked up to Tom. Tom was. I don't know if Tom. Were you were you there, Tom? Because you were you were. What were you doing there? Picking up arrows. <laughs> you were, you were picking up yeah. arrows. Yeah. And uh, Tom liked to fit everybody. Hackbart, mm-hmm. um, and very knowledgeable. And uh, he was he was waiting, and you know, and Tom would go in the back and get everything figured out, and you know. Uh, well, I walked up and I was just like, Hey, Hey, is that uh I said, Hey, is that your girlfriend's bow? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Tom looked at me and like raised his eyebrows a little bit and was just like, no, that's mine. See, I was just trying to judge like, <laughs> is this the punch first scenario or do you say something witty and then punch the guy? <laughs> and uh, I was like, and I didn't even realize it, and I felt stupid after that. And but I didn't really say really. Anything. I, you? Really, I was like, I was like, it was one of those conversations that was kind of like, well, see you later. <laughs> and I just, and, and my dad and I walked around, and we were looking at stuff, you know. And, and Tom got his arrows and and went on his way. Um, and to hear, and it was funny because I got to read Tom's side of it. And, <laughs> you know, here's this guy that comes in and insults me about my bow. And I wasn't even thinking about it. I'd never seen a mutt. And I was like, oh, those things are a hell of a... Because I remember talking to my dad going, man, that thing was a hell of a lot smaller than I thought. Because my dad and I at the time were shooting these big, bulky takedown recurves. And we'd never seen, like, a stick longbow before. So we... It was... it was Even when we got our own, we were totally, like... We couldn't believe how light they were and how slender they were. And I'd never seen so legit. I did not know like it looked like a lady's bow or a kid's bow to me. So I w- I'll give it to you. You know what? The the grip was small. It was very sleek. It was a 64 inch bow, only 42, 45 pounds, something like that. I mean, it w- it didn't look like a beefy bow. So no, and and here's this lanky <laughs> lanky guy, and you're as tall as me. I mean, so it it I was like it, it just didn't line up. Um, but still, I didn't know who Tom was. Uh, you just about got introduced to him really quick. <laughs> <laughs> so fast forward, we we started shooting. I had seen him at league a couple times, and there was another guy that shot with us named Ryan Whitaker, uh-huh. and we called him Rat, and he was Rat on Trad Gang, I think too. Um, and Ryan looks nothing like Tom. No. Okay. <laughs> he's short. He's got, got mustache. You know, he's, he's nothing, no, doesn't look anything like Tom. Um, darker complected. Uh, well, one day, um, Bill had, Tom reached out to me on Trad Gang. I got a message from Stick, from uh, Sticks and Stones. Is that, that's your handle, isn't it, yeah. Tom? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I got a private message, and lucky I, fu- I saw it because I never checked them. So I, I saw it, and, and, and Tom said, hey, Bill and I are going to go, sh- are going to go shoot at Forby's, which was a, um, a private land uh, 3D course that a guy owned near Asperia, Michigan. And um, he said, you want to come shoot with us? And I was like, yeah, I got nothing to do. Hell, yeah, let's do it. Um, so I showed up, and I thought Tom was rat. Like, I, for some reason, I thought that was Tom. And I showed up, and Tom was in the car, and it wasn't rat. <laughs> and you're thinking, oh, and a guy named yeah, Rat here's was, guy. was like a Prius. I'm just saying. Yes, it was a Prius. And Bill was in the back, yeah, in the front. And, it was, and I had a cram in the back. Yeah, it was, it was really, really funny funny because i was like that's not i don't know who this guy is i've only seen him a couple times so i had to play it cool like i knew exactly who it was but i didn't <laughs> i had no idea that <laughs> and i i didn't even think i remembered that he was the guy in the shop either because it was a little white ways apart but it was funny how that kind of came together and then i didn't know fun, funny we didn't know i don't I, I mean well correct me if i'm wrong tom did you know that steve and i were talking at the time no i, I think that was before then well, Tom um, did. I don't think Tom knew me at all. No, no I know I, he did. No, he didn't, because this was before you guys met at the Hill Gang Hog Hunt, or no, whatever you guys. I'll let you guys go into that. But Steve, you and I started talking shortly after that because we were both we were both blogging, and you reached out to me, uh, asked me a question on Twitter about life and longbows, and you wanted to start a blog, and what I then got into what I was using. I found out that you were, you know, quite the web guy. I was on a server I didn't like, blah blah blah, and that that relationship kind of started up, and then we realized, and then you hunted with Tom, right? Is that how that went? Yeah. So, and I think we've talked about this on here before. So, uh, Tom, and it's kind of funny. It was somewhat eerily similar although i didn't walk up and insult the guy um no you're too polite for that at first but i uh, so i went to hunt uh, at the time it was hog heaven in south carolina and at that time you you didn't meet at camp you met at the hardware store there in estel and so i'm in the hardware store and i'm just looking around and trying to figure out you know there wasn't many people in there but you know back in this back corner was this tall lanky guy and i said you know what he i bet he's down here about down here hunting hogs and i think was that the same trip you doused yourself in gasoline it was time? the same day yeah uh, yeah so day. you know i walk, <laughs> I walk <laughs> up and I, I, I strike up a conversation with tom and i'm sitting there going god this guy's i don't remember if, it seemed like i do remember you had a had the aroma of gasoline but i i don't I don't remember that. It's been too long. But I, I bought the only bar of soap they had in the place. It was a lava soap, and I'd gone into the restroom and scrubbed myself down with it. And I was looking at some thermocells when you walked up. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and then you know we uh, honestly can't even tell you we we just kind of uh, hit it off. Started you know we we've, we've talking about the hunt and so forth, and then I ended up uh, Tom and I would actually walk out of camp. And that was only a couple of days, but both days we kind of walked out of the camp, went the same general direction, and um, just, I guess that's, you know, we got to be friends from there. I don't... Uh, I, I remember when I showed you on the map where I was going and where I'd been hunting, I think that was when the conversation really opened up. Yeah, and you were, I, I, honestly, I can't even remember. I know the general, we, we would walk down and we would split up at what they called the, the uh, picnic area. 
And then we actually even found out, I can't remember if it was after, or if it was like the last night we were sitting around, you know, basically we're, we're do, we do the same thing as a, as an occupation too, which was kind of, kind of odd through all that. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Small, small circles. It is, it is. And, and, and didn't know that I didn't find out that you knew Nick until a good bit of time after oh, yeah. that. It was a long time after that because, oh boy, well, I'll bet you it was the next summer I got a private message mm-hmm. from Nick saying, do you know a guy named Steve in Georgia? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know Steve. Like how many Steves could it be? <laughs> and then I found out that you guys had been going back and forth on Twitter for a year or something. Right. Cause I didn't start, I didn't start simply traditional. In fact, simply traditional was on my mind when I was at that uh, hog hunt and ended up, you know, some of the, the pictures that I took in the swamp with that, uh, mm. that hill crocodile, which is a whole nother story Don't that bow, uh, <laughs> was taken on, on that hunt in, in 2012. Yeah, it was neat. I think, well, I think I was hunting my, uh, big five Howard Hill that, that hunt, wasn't I? You had you had two different bows. I don't remember which yeah, two. I seem like use. I know one of them was a hill style. Yeah, yeah um, the other one was. Um, ooh, I'm not gonna. I'll I'll, freaking, I'll I'll pull it up later. But yeah, I was hunting my big five, and you were hunting a crocodile, and that was the first heavy. You know, but most people consider a heavy bow. That was the first heavy bow I ever right. shot. I think it was around eighty at thirty, something like that. Honestly, you know, I can't even, I, I don't even remember. I remember, I remember you had two bows and the only reason I remember you had two bows is you were, you were, um, there was something you were doing to both of them that first night while we were, you know, sitting around under the, mm-hmm. <laughs> sit, sitting around on the porch of that lovely trailer that we used. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and, and again, I don't even remember why I remember that, but I do remember that you had two bows. I did have two bows. So I, I'm just going to. I'm going to have a uh, uh, come out of the closet moment right here, live on the podcast. <laughs> so I had been coaxed into buying a recurve, uh, and now I do remember the name of it. It was a Quinn Longhorn Classic. And I had, so what I was setting up was the mount for the three piece takedown for the uh, Slim Jim Quiver <clears throat> and the. Howard Hill Big Five had uh, kind of strap on. It was a modular system. And mm-hmm. the very first morning, I hunted that Quinn recurve. And I was just like, this thing's just too crazy heavy. And so I think I changed up to a back quiver and the uh, the Howard Hill uh, Big Five at noon that day. And that is, in my life, the only day I've ever gone afield with a recurve. So it's out there, it's recorded, it's uh, on the internet. There you go. Man, you know, Tom, you, I remember you talking to me about the, about Quinn. Yeah, it was a great little bow. That was a fairly popular bow Mm -hmm. when I was looking for, for economical options. Yeah. When I first started out, uh, Quinn came up often online um and for the money they were yeah but i have not heard quinn archery in a long time like that name drop but i remember you having one that's why it took a little while to shake the cobwebs out but yeah 
it was it was a good bow, but it just wasn't my style, and I moved on. But yeah. no, not that at was all. Two, that was <laughs> that was the two bows. I didn't, and I didn't remember one of them being a recurve. But uh, all right, so so let's let's skip forward a little bit. Um, so Tom and I have now met. Nick and Tom have met, and and we find out that we we all three know each other. And somewhere around that time was when. I suggested the, the the first time we actually all try to get together and hunt. Um, and in my infinite wisdom, I suggested we hunt in Georgia at the start of the season in September without giving uh, any thought to the fact that you poor guys had no idea what you were getting yourselves into. Um, well, now at this point, we, I'm yeah. instigating with you because I think Nick and Correct me if I'm wrong. You hadn't hunted out of state yet. Is that right? Nope. I had never hunted out of state. So going anywhere would have been an adventure for me. But I, I think I had told you um, that I wanted to hunt out of state. In fact, I even think I wrote about it. Yeah. I think I wrote, um, I, I wrote a, it actually ended up in, in Life and Longbows. It was, um, it was, uh, one of the stories I of death and stumps or something like that. That was the one where I was referring to you going off and doing the hog hunt with Steve, um, and you were you had started venturing out and hunting other places, and I was like, why why aren't why aren't I hunting other places? You know what's what's stopping me from doing that? And uh, apparently, just an invite. So I think that was what I think that was what. We wanted to hunt together, but I think that was kind of the final, like, Steve offered, hey, you guys can come down and hunt with me. I've got lots of public land down here. And that's kind of how that took off, from what I remember. It's a great idea. Mm-hmm. So it's so what I'm reading from this is this was Tom's chance to pay you back for the, is that your girlfriend's <laughs> bow, uh, by tricking you into come hunt Georgia. <laughs> In September, because Tom was well aware what the weather was like in Georgia in September. Yeah, you know, I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you. I didn't. I wasn't really thinking much about the weather. But when Tom told me we were going to drive 15 hours in a Prius, and I and I still didn't know Tom that well, um, and I'd only talked to you on the phone a couple times, even though we were chatting, I was just like, "What the?" You know, I didn't even like. I I didn't even consider myself. You know, I hadn't even considered myself a bow hunter that long, let alone you know, jumping in the car with guys I didn't really know and heading down there, you know, I, and, uh, I had never even, and truth be told, I had never spent more than eight hours in a car. So I didn't even know how I would do with it. You know, I was, I was quite, quite a homebody. You know, I didn't, yeah. So, so, so before we get into some of the, the the hunting tales that took place on that I, i've got to set the stage here a little bit for for anybody listening that doesn't know tom really well a little background about tom uh and tom you know i, I love you like a brother oh boy tom is very meticulous um and and you know i wish i could i wished i had the um What's the what's the word I'm looking not fortitude but the uh, I wish I could stick with it enough to actually go to the the extents that you do with certain things like tracking your mileage. Um, <laughs> uh, Tom, Tom is Tom, if Tom stops and puts gas in his vehicle, 
he is going to take out a notebook and I'm, you, I'll miss something, but you're going to put in the mileage. Mm-hmm. You're going to put in the, you're going to calculate the miles per gallon that you got oh, and yeah. all this stuff. And, and it's really smart because if you notice a change, then something's wrong, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. uh, um, but it's not just that. It's pretty much <laughs> every aspect of mm-hmm. Tom's life is, is documented somewhere. So this next little story, and, and Tom, I, you're going to be the one that tells this because nobody else, and Nick, I'll give you a chance to, to put your two cents worth in. But Oh, and I will. Nick. Because <laughs> I, I found out about all Tom, this. Uh, Tom, Tom gave Nick the opportunity in this, as he just said, 15-hour trip to drive part of the way because Tom didn't want to drive the full 15 hours. So I'm going to hand it over to you with that, Tom, because only you can tell this. Well, uh, <laughs> I think I drove 14 and a half of the 15 and a half on the way down. <laughs> so I'm kind of all guaranteed. I'm kind of peculiar about my car. Uh, we also stopped to go to the bathroom twice and they were both, they were scheduled pit stops. Uh, well, nope. I scheduled one no interruptions, you. Nick. All right, all right, Tom, you go. I won't, I won't interrupt anymore. <laughs> yeah. So Nick gets in the car and gets every, you know, gets the seat set up and the mirrors and looks a little out of sorts, you know, having a push button start and like no real like shifter or anything. I mean, a Prius back then was kind of a weird thing to get used to. They were kind of novel. And for my work, you know, I did you know, whatever, 40,000 miles to 60,000 miles a year, right? Sometimes a little more. So it made sense, like, just whip the miles out and get good uh, mileage reimbursements, whatever. Well, Nick, he gets in. Well, it was just after sunup. I remember watching the, the sunrise and pulling off and topping off on gas. And it's getting close to dark, and Nick's driving... And it's many, many, many hours later. <laughs> and there's a beep. And, you know, what, maybe what the, the people listening might not know is uh, early in life, there were a lot of rock concerts and a lot of explosions. Uh, I blew up a lot of stuff. <laughs> My hearing's not great. So I think I missed some of the first beeps that happened. So... <laughs> A Prius is a hybrid vehicle. You fill up the gas tank and then you use some battery, right? So, well, well, most people do. I'm not exactly (laughs) sure what happened, but when the it went from like flashing and beeping to the big giant red rectangle exclamation point in the middle of the heads up display, that was when Nick was like, "Hey, I think something's wrong," and. We were in one of those places in the Midwest where there's not anything close. And it's like, okay, you know, we go another six miles and there's an off ramp. And then uh, I'm like, hey, look, it's like there's some town here. Like, let's take this. Let's go get gas. And we pull off and we start driving. And the first thing that happens is there's like a beware of Amish buggy sign. And then the road turns in dirt. And then there's, I don't know, I think we went like three quarters of a mile or a mile. And there's a sign basically saying like the Berg of whatever, 12.8 miles or 
60 miles or a million miles. It didn't matter. We weren't going to get there, right? (laughs) It it wasn't going to (laughs) happen. And so we turn around in some cornfield and drive back to the interstate. And uh, I can't remember how much further up the road it was, five, six miles or something like that. But uh, I just kind of wondered, like, at the edge of the snowstorm that was coming in, how far we could push that car if we needed to, like, or, or where we could find a gas station. But apparently the answer is a Prius does not mean electric. Yes. You still must buy gas. Was there, was there, and there was something that you said to Nick and I can't remember what it was. Do you remember? Cause I know you've told me. I, I remember. Oh, please. What was He said, you got to pay a little bit better attention <laughs> to things like this when you're in that seat. <laughs> <laughs> and and here's the here's the funny part. Sounds exactly like me. Yeah, I was getting ready to say the funny part about that statement is you got and Nick didn't do it justice the way he said it. You no. you got a picture in your mind. You remember when your parent used to say something to the effect of, "I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed." <laughs> and that was just it. <laughs> I, I felt terrible. Uh, it was funny. And I think that was on the way back because I had done that before and actually like got lost another time. But the, it, I got to add on the, on I, the, all that is accurate. Um, when we, that place, the first place we pulled off on was the scariest intersection I've ever seen in my life. If you've ever seen like, you know, an old dusty crossroads in like the back woods of like Voodooville, Missouri, or someplace <laughs> like that. Or like, you know, there's like a gas station with no working pumps, and there's like a dog kennel next to it with no dogs in it, and the doors open, and there's nobody around, but you know people are around. Like, it was one of those, there was no gas within miles of that place. And it was the scariest place. And, I mean, that's when we just, like, whipped around and got out of there. Um, but it... Far from the worst yeah, place totally. we've been. No, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, and that's even funnier. But um, the other part of the story, on the way... That was actually on the way back. On the way down, um, I didn't know exactly how regimented Tom was about things. And I learned all of this, and I was like, man, he ain't playing around. You know, this guy's got everything figured out. And, well, the first thing he says to me is, man, you might want to you might want to uh, slow down on the coffee and the water. <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't stop. <laughs> because we ain't stopping again until Ohio or wherever we were. And I don't think, in one time we stopped, and he didn't even go to the bathroom. And I was just no. like, Wow. This is crazy. And then, but the funny thing is, is, like, he's writing all this stuff down, and I'm just thinking, you know, Tom's super cheap. That's what I kept thinking. Like, he's this dude's cheap. <laughs> so, we're, so we're driving down there, and like, he won't, and I'm sweating. Like, when we started getting closer to down south, I start sweating in the car. And I, we'd been in the car for a while, and I was starting to get a little car sick because Tom's whipping around it's like Tennessee, like oh. all these winding roads, and like what was it, the drag tip of the dragon's tail, or the end of the, something like that? Tail of the dragon. About it. Yeah, was it? that was a possessed. The tail, PS. tail of the dragon. Yes. Oh, so man. we're going down the mountains, and we're flipping around and, and going through all these things, and it's getting hot, 
and I had already like stripped off my sweatpants and was in a pair of mesh shorts and I started getting the waves and I was like, I'm like, dude, you got to turn the air conditioning on. <laughs> and, and he goes, oh, you, you getting a little hot? And I was like, yeah. And, and I'm like, please, and, or please. Like I just asked him like it was just cool, calm and cool. And I was just like, yeah, can you, know, can you turn the air on? And he goes, sure. Well, he turns the air on and I'm like, nothing's happening. <laughs> Right, like I'm hearing, I'm hearing it come out, but I'm not, and I'm like, either I have a fever, or he didn't turn the air on because he's too cheap to turn the air on. And uh, so we're we're so we get out we get out at Publix when we get to in town to see Steve in Gainesville, and uh, it's in Gainesville, right, Steve, or is it Dawson? I can't remember. No, it, well, you you stopped at a. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was actually a food line you stopped at in in, yeah. in uh, Dawsonville. Mm, yeah, that's right. So yep. we Dawsonville. So we so we stop, and as soon as we get out of the out of the car, like Tom's side of the wind, Tom's side of the car, the windshield has got the is frosty. Is frosted <laughs> on the inside, and I go, and I go, did you? I said something. It was like, so did the, you did have the air on. And he goes, yeah, you probably should open that vent. <laughs> <laughs> so so I got to tell you one more thing, Nick, before we, before we move on. But uh, so that whole uh, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed sound in Tom's voice. I've managed to escape that all these years until Wyoming this year. And I actually got it myself. So. Uh, I, I, the, the first morning of hunting and you guys know this about me, I can't help it. It's just my nature when it's time to hunt, I'm tunnel visioned and, and you know, like, I don't know, we were probably an hour into it. We've gone almost straight up for like probably a half a mile and finally Tom just says something to the effect of I thought we were I thought we were going to glass or something if I thought we were going to <laughs> we were going to go cross country or something I don't remember exactly what it was but it was like well damn now I've done the I've, I've pulled a Prius <laughs> so, I try not to be a bad guy to hunt with I try to get invited back again I don't know. Uh, dude, that I dude, I know that was that was all on me. I told you that that morning. Well, uh, and, and I'm just I got it because I'm the exact opposite of you guys as far as that's concerned. I'm 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 a I'm not a meticulous guy. I I fly a little bit more by the seat of my pants. I'm always really? the, I'm always the last one in the truck. I don't I don't pay attention to the little things when packing anything <laughs> like I, oh. I, don't lay my, I don't lay my crap out the night before. I don't, you know, I'm like, there's always something I'm forgetting or I don't have or like, so yeah. You're getting, <laughs> you're, you're, you're getting, you're getting ahead of us, Nick. Um, so, and I, I know some of this we've actually talked about. Um, so this was the same hunt that the, the, your Georgia boo-boo uh, story, which is in your book was, was pinned around. And I know part. <laughs> so, you guys get to you you find you get to Georgia. You didn't run out of gas. You made it. You made it to Georgia, and we hit the woods the next morning. Um, I, I I had I had these spots all picked out. Nick, at the time you were you were wanting to do nothing but hunt on the ground. You didn't want to get in a tree stand that trip. Um, and I learned that with Nick. Um, 
he doesn't understand um, some of the descriptions that many of us Southern guys use, like, um, you know, look for the old logging road. Well, that didn't work. Um, Nick's looking for, I guess, something that you can land a plane in Um, because you almost got – I don't say you got lost, but you never did find where I sent you the first morning. Uh, Oh, not at all. (laughs) Tom Tom goes with me, and I think that first morning we all hunted from the ground. I know we did. We all hunted from the ground. Um, I carried Tom in and – now, and I'm I'm leading somewhere with this. I carried Tommy and kind of pointed him in a direction. He went and found a place and and made him a little makeshift blind. Good spot. I went, I went another half mile, made a made a made a nice good blind. In 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 Georgia, you've got enough leaf litter year round that the first thing you really have to do is remove all the leaf litter from where you're going to be standing, even in September. So that if you need to move, you could do so quietly. Now, what we all found out, some of us later than others, was that if you go scratching around in that in the dirt like that and litter, and you're going to sit there on the ground, chances are you're going to walk away from there with a, a little gift. Tom and I came down with chiggers that night. <laughs> and and what I remember is there was one there was one person in the crew that thought this was hilarious because the next morning, I don't know how, and I don't know how you and I could stand still Tom. Cause we were just in, we were eating up with chiggers. We had chiggers all oh, over. I was, I was wilted up thick. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Nick's going, well, they're not bothering me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nick bloomed on the flight by, or the drive back. <laughs> 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 so the, I get. I, I remember. I got a text from Nick on the way back, going, "These and I can't. I'm not going to repeat it because I have to bleep it. But it was not nice what he was calling those chiggers. But <laughs> well, Steve. Oh, it, you've been down there, like you know. You so as a southern guy, you've you've been in that for years and years and years. And in my army years in Georgia, North Carolina, I mean, I just got covered up with them every year. And so, I mean, both of us knew how bad it would be and, like, suffered through it. Nick had no idea what he was talking about. (laughs) I mean, there was just no point of reference for what he was unknowingly about to endure. And, yeah, he laid it on thick. Boy, did that come back in spades. Oh, yeah, it it, it, it bit him hard. (laughs) Um, The weird part of this was that I didn't get it until I started getting it a little bit on the way back and I had my jeans on and, you know, I figured I just from driving in the car, you know, that long that I just had, you know, I must've been sweating on on my legs and I must've just been a little itchy, you know, whatever, (laughs) you know, and I get home and I go to take a shower and it started really getting bad at that time, you know? And I was like, man, I must have dry skin. You know, <laughs> this sucks. And I took off my pants to get into the shower, and I looked down on my legs, and I was like, whoa, holy. I mean, it, I had red <laughs> all the way from my waist all the way down to the bottom of my ankles. And just thick. And that's when, like, I was like, oh, man. I'm like, this is just straight up karma right here is what this is. And I'm like, I don't I thought I, I almost didn't tell you guys. Cause I was like, this is bad. <laughs> and then, you know, of course I posted about it somewhere and the, the good part about the story is that's when I found out about the car the garlic. 
because um, I forgot who said this, but it was like, it's because you Yankees don't eat enough garlic in your diet or something like that. And I was like, garlic? He's like, yeah, you don't put vinegar and garlic in your stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. So I've been eating garlic ever since, and I never got it again, and it actually helps with bugs. So at least that came out of it. But it was pretty funny that I gave – I was calling you guys scums and disgusting and all this stuff and just laughing and giggling the whole time. And I, as soon as they got back, I got it. So we had so much fun in 2013. <laughs> We need, we need to talk about the fact which that side, Which side do it again? <laughs> after after all the deer we saw and killed, we thought, you know what? We need to do this again. Well, now, so before we move on, because, you, and there's a few other stories here, but I agree we, we need, we're going to have to move forward. But um, I, I saw deer that trip, and I swear, I think by the end of the trip, by the time you guys went back, you're you're thinking I'm just making this up because I, I saw deer pretty much every day I went out. Now never nothing close enough to shoot at, but um, so steep. You guys weren't you, you guys weren't prepared to look for parts of deer. Uh, you, you know you couldn't see more than twenty yards anywhere I put you just about. So I don't know. I, I do remember the point when the sky opened up and we called it off, and we were driving back to your house, and we're driving past a field and it stopped for like the rain stopped for just a second and i don't know there was like six deer standing in the middle of this green field and you're like oh there was more than there was more than that I, all i remember is you like hey yeah. look there's deer and i looked and i looked right back at you straight face and said i don't see any deer <laughs> not gonna give it to you yeah, that that was uh, that was that that was when we were hunting on that little piece of uh, private land. Uh, we hunted at that one. I think it was that one one afternoon. That's right. Yep. But anyway, I remember where we were driving up there, and it was right on the side of uh, fifty three. So we decided to do it again. The and it was the following year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The following Not year, we decided we were going to do it. We were going to do it in November. <laughs> Um, so we, we definitely pushed it back so Nick wouldn't have to deal with the chiggers anymore. Um, and there was some, there was some, <laughs> there was, I'm trying to figure out where I, where I want to start with that one. So that was the same trip as Nick's major award, which everybody's pretty much heard about by now. I think we're Nick, I told Nick to be prepared. Deer will be on top of you before you know it. The deer were on top of him before he knew it. He shot a tree. Um, and I presented him with a nice gift from from that. Um, Tom, mm-hmm. the most, the, the, I'll be honest, one of my funniest memories of that trip was when I sent you across, <laughs> sent you across the road. Had bright, I, I had bright eyes up. Um, I trap. learned from that. Exp- <laughs> <laughs> Tom, do you want to tell it from your perspective? Because I know what me and Nick, I know what part of it me and Nick remember the best, but why don't you go ahead and tell what happened from your perspective? All right. I'll, I'll put my version out there. So <laughs> uh, go tromping, tromping up the hill. Um, and then there was like a very steep embankment where it was kind of hands and knees sort of thing to get up. Pretty far, right? Got, got yeah. up that. And that goes straight into a giant patch of green briar. <laughs> and I don't know. It's some leisurely hour, like 3.50 in the morning or something. Maybe it's a little bit later than that. But I'm shining the flashlight around like, 
all right, where where's my bright eye? And I find it. Unfortunately, on the way up that giant, like, slipping dirt hill landslide about to happen sort of place, I was all the way on the wrong side of it. So then I cross-cut across that whole top of that thing through the green briar. I had a brand new bow that trip, too. <laughs> now I think about it. Uh, oh, I remember it was oh, a brand, brand new, new bow. expensive bow. <laughs> yeah, that's a good bow. I still have it. Um, so I get all the way across the green briar to the first bright eye. And I'm shining the light around. I'm like, oh, if you stand in just the right spot, like way off, you can see it. And so I push through the green briar, assuming when I get to the next one, I'll find a trail. Not true. <laughs> and I start like shining the light around. I can't find anything. Step to the other side of the tree, shine it around. Don't see anything. Sidestep two steps. See the bright eye. I go to that one. So apparently these things are like way spaced out <laughs> and very intermittent, right? So I go and I find the next one. <laughs> and then I get up into some, I mean, that green briar was horrible. I had festering wounds for a long time from that. I get, you know, to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. So I get up in this like little stand of pines and I'm looking around and I cannot find the next bright eye. Well, at a few points I'd had to start circling in circles around the last bright eye to find the next one. So I start circling, a little bigger, shining around, a little bigger, shining around, a little bigger, shining around. And I spread all out, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back to the last bright eye, shoot an azimuth in the dark, go through the one that I found, and I'm going to go like 40 or 50 yards and try to find the next one, right? Like shining my light constantly. So I'm stumbling around the dark, like through the green briar, like trying to find this next one. And I hit a fence line and I'm like, <laughs> I know the border of this WMA is this fence. And I know it is not to my right or at a lower elevation than I should be from what Steve described. So I go to the left. And I'm just wondering at this point, why wow, you would believe anything I said. I'm, wondering, I'm still wondering. <laughs> <laughs> so I do a, I do a big button hook. I come all the way back around to the top of that dirt slide that I originally climbed up and around to the first bright eye again. So I've done a giant loop. I've laid scent a full 360. <laughs> Just unhuntable. <laughs> and it's getting closer to light. And I'm like, or high water, I am going to find the stand. And so I go back and I'm like, bright eye to bright eye to bright eye to bright eye. And now it's like starting to crest a little sunlight. I get to the very last one, and man, I'm looking around everywhere, and I'm shining the light everywhere, and I'm trying to find any glint of reflection. And I'm leaning on this tree, and I look up, and the stand is up there, <laughs> something like 20 feet. And I start putting the sticks on, and I climb up, and I get in. But there was nothing to mark the end of the trail. I would have went straight to it. And I have no idea, Steve, what excusable idea you have about why this is okay. I've, I've, I've waited years. It's been, it's been five years. 
I don't. I don't use bright eyes. I don't. I'm a, I, I'm a bright eyed novice. I have no idea no. what what I was doing. In fact, in fact, I want to interject here because as much crap as we give Tom about getting lost and doing walkabout and not finding his stands at least once on the trip, Georgia is very dark when it's dark. The brush in Georgia is super thick, super dark. And you, if you don't, if you're not familiar, it, it ain't like that here uh, in a lot of areas. We got a lot of open, like, timber ridges and stuff like that. And the other, the other part of this is that, as Steve was saying about being a bright-eyed novice, if you, if you say you're going to put some bright eyes up in Michigan, Tom and I are used to seeing runways. <laughs> I mean, you can shine a light in the woods and every tree within six yards of each other will be marked until you get to your stand and probably up the tree, too. Yeah, they are well, everywhere six or seven super other thick. guys' bright-eyed trails, too. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. and I was getting ready to say, so here's, here's, here's the other piece in my defense. This stand that you were hunting was only, and and I, I'm going somewhere here, so don't think I'm beating up on Tom for not being able to navigate. The stand is only maybe 100 yards from the road. I'm still convinced that somehow it is public land. You found somebody else's bright eyes. Because it's, it shouldn't have taken you, I mean, it should have been cross the road, go up the bankment, straight into the woods, there's the stand. So... But but here's the here's the part I was alluding to at the very beginning. So the way this all ended, Nick and I come out from our hunt and we're standing at the truck. <laughs> Where's Tom? I don't know. Well, when Tom came around the corner walking towards the truck, I I, I think I even whispered to, to Nick, something's wrong. Because <laughs> He, you could just see that whole, I, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Oh, hell no. He was mad. I mean, <laughs> no. And the thing, so he, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Dick. Well, I, he looked like a mad stork. <laughs> he had, he had, cause Tom's tall. He's got this long gait and not only that, and he was walking with a purpose. Like Steve said, he was mad, but he also had this serial killer face mask on <laughs> <laughs> that like it looks like he did it himself like he had like some canvas and cut holes in it like <laughs> like early oh, I forgot like, about that. i don't know and, and he was wearing that and his nose is sticking out of it and he's got his glasses <laughs> on and his hat and he's just heading straight for us and he you could tell he was just things did not go right i mean and then <laughs> i think and i think i made the mistake of going tom what's wrong <laughs> there's a there's a blood trail on that mountain, and I laid it. Yeah, but the first thing that you made sure to point out was that you had there were scratches all in that brand new. What oh, was that? It, a it seven hundred fifty eight hundred dollar Northern Miss Longbow. That. It was a and, was a and it was a it was a special one. It was it was the uh, the anniversary. He, he did that special run. Yeah, yeah, that and, was uh, um, a silver, a twenty fifth yep, anniversary. That that Tom had bit up at auction, at the MLA mm -hmm. auction. <laughs> There's a whole but, different story about that, but yeah, I uh, I did. The, get I, that. I will, I will never forget what he said though, because he he walked up to the truck, he took his hat off, he he took his mask <laughs> off. He this the sweat 
was absolutely <laughs> everywhere. He spikes, he spikes the head, the, 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 the mask into the back of the pickup. And he goes, well, I had a morning. <laughs> oh, it was, oh, it was something. That, that was something. But yeah. Steve, Steve's, Steve Bright Eyes, yeah. You know what, One though? One every, what? I had a bad day. I admit. And it was avoidable. And we all learned and we laugh and it, it, it's all in good fun. But I was not the only person that had a bad day on that trip. And not just you punching that sapling trying to shoot that doe. Steve? I know exactly where you're going with this. Um, I thought I heard something. Uh, well, so we all, there was a lot of hearing things. And, and I, I, heard, I heard Nick yeah. shoot that sapling. Yeah, we weren't very far apart. So we got to back up. There was, there was, there, that was two days. So the, the, the green bar, the, the, the walk through the green bar, mm-hmm. that was day two mm-hmm. day, day one. And I'm going to go through this really quick just cause we, I know we still got several things we want to talk about, but the, the first morning was the day that Nick shot the tree and that was Tom continue on this road and you're going to see a bright eye about face high stop there. I'm going to lay a scent trail out for Nick, drop him at his blind, and I'll meet you there. And I'm walking to leave this scent trail and sent Nick his way, and I look up, oh, no. and there's a there's a headlamp, and I'm like, what the heck? Tom is gone. And and you'd have to know, Tom, if, if Tom, for the average person to keep up with Tom walking, you're going to be in a trot. Uh, you're, you, you walk faster than any human being on the planet. When I'm before trying to get I can, yeah. yeah, before I can go 30 yards to lay this scent trail out for Nick, Tom has traveled 70, 80 yards and he's still going. <laughs> and I know that this bright eye is 20 yards from me. Again, I suck at bright eyes. I'll take all the blame for it. But anyway, Tom, I sat there and watched Tom's headlamp go way, way <laughs> up through the WMA <laughs> I walk over the bright eye and just stop. And I say, you know, he'll figure it out in a minute. And he come back because he's walking a road. And I'm sitting there watching it. And I see Nick's light disappear. So he's in his blind. And I'm still watching this light. And all of a sudden, I see it stop. It looks left. It looks right. And then I see it turn around. It starts coming back to me. Uh, and we all had a good laugh about that. But mm-hmm. so I finally got you squared away. And I went and got in a in a tree not far from where you where you finally figured it out and turned around. And we all heard Nick shoot that morning. Um, we were probably all within 200 yards of each other. And when an arrow hits a, a hardwood sapling, it, it resonates pretty good. Oh, yeah, it does. Um, so we had all heard that take place. And then the morning that you're, you had the Greenbrier incident, that afternoon, we returned to those same hunting spots. So Nick went back to his blind. You went back to the same stand that I'd put you in that first morning for the afternoon hunt, and I went back to the same stand that I had been in. Now, this is my story. I can tell it how I want to. So, <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm a, as everybody knows that's listened to this podcast knows me online. I'm a, I'm a two blade fan. Um, but I, like I said when I started this, when we were talking about the Simmons tree sharks, I had recently started selling magnus this was when thunder valley archery was in business and they i was selling magnus broadheads and i was selling snuffers and i got the bright idea that i was going to try a three blade head 
So I had taken the heaviest three-blade snuffer made, which was 185 grain, and I had put that on a 100-grain steel adapter, and I had a 100-grain brass insert in the end of my arrow, and I thought this thing was the bomb. You were very proud. Anything... Yeah, anything. I mean, all, all I'm going to have to do is is come to anchor. If anything sees that I'm about to launch this thing at them, they're just going to fall over dead. I, I you know, I, I was I was so confident. So that afternoon, I'm sitting uh in the tree and I look up and I see these these two deer working towards me. Now, before I tell this, I know there's some people that they wouldn't shoot a pieball deer regardless much less a, 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 a an albino fully white deer but i have for some reason always wanted to shoot one pieball in my life and i've never seen many of them but i look up and here comes these two young deer working their way towards me and when i say young deer i'm gonna be brutally honest here they were they were yearlings they didn't have spots so don't you know don't don't, don't shoot me hate mail they were bigger than that but they were not big mature North Georgia deer. I would say they probably weighed somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred, 125 pounds, maybe. And I decide right away, if this, if this pie ball offers me an opportunity, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot it. Now I'm shooting this and I don't remember what the arrow weighed, but you can do the math. It, it had to be 700 grains or more. And I'm shooting it from a 70 pound longbow. These things come up, they get, Turn broadside right in front of me. I come to full draw. I pick the spot that I want, and I let go, and all I heard was the awfulest crack I've ever heard in my life. And this little 100-pound deer almost looked like it got knocked down. It rolled over, jumped up, and took off, and I can see my arrow just bouncing along with it. And it's painfully obvious at this point that somehow I've managed to hit the knuckle joint instead of the heart, which is what I wanted. And the deer is obviously there, you know, it's, it's not very happy right now, but I get down, start looking for sign. I've got no sign to go on. I go a little ways. I ended up finding my arrow with the, um, the, the hundred grain threaded insert broken off uh, at the end of the shaft and you guys saw the arrow it might have showed a quarter inch of penetration on the, <laughs> on the, the arrow shaft that's optimistic and and yeah that's very optimistic and like nick's tree everybody that was hunting heard that shot go off oh, yeah. so yeah i've had i've had to wear that badge of shame for quite some time. I don't know. You guys have really enjoyed giving me a hard time about that over the years. So did I leave anything out? You no, know, Steve, anytime I'm giving you a hard time, I mean, the, I saw it as a wonderful uh, learning opportunity, right? So I know, you know, I, I think a, you, you called it salt in the wound. Um, you know, when we have failures, that's our chance to really up our game, right? The more it bothers us, the, the better chance we have to, to make something good come from it. And I remember how happy you were when you told me, I can't remember if you saw it or got it on camera, but it was weeks later. It was that deer with a healed wound, right? It was. Yep. Had it on camera. Yeah. So, um, I know we're not into catch and release hunting, but it's good to know that you learned a lot and... The animal carried on and is definitely wiser for it. So, 
and we learned and we learned more the next time because one of the first things we did when we got to Steve's house was Tom goes, "Hey, you guys should uh you guys ever seen that 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 Ed Ashby presentation?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we put that on on the big screen in the living the room. Screen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, coincidentally I set up a YouTube channel with a uh 15 part playlist so we could just, you know, go right from the beginning to end. So the story there is the way, you know, Tom shows sympathy is to basically tell you, you know, watch this series of YouTube videos so I can show you just how dumb you are. Um, <laughs> I did say I was sorry, right? <laughs> you did once or twice. All right. uh, That's I, the thing, though. Tom, Tom would never come out and tell you that your setup sucks or anything like that. He, he you know, he, and, and when he, he gave us the caveat that when we sat down, he's like, now you can take whatever you want out of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, he kind of just not, sat there and shut his mouth. I don't think he said two words. He, I think he sharpened sharpened his own broadheads the whole time that video was on. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you how how bad your setup is, but I'll let you watch this and see if you can figure it out for yourself. And, and the whole time, Steve shaking his head, going snuffers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can't we can't we can't repeat on here exactly what I was saying because it 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 there was there were a few uh, f bombs dropped in that 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 whole conversation that afternoon. But uh, yeah, yeah, but just so, before we get all the three blade hate, I have seen <laughs> three blades do an incredible job on a number of animals. It just has to be right. You can't you can't shoot a bone with it. I mean that that's just mm-hmm. all there is to it. Yeah, and I'm 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 positive that what happened on that it hit bone and that that needle point rolled over and that was the end of it. I seriously doubt that that broadhead went in over a half inch. Yeah, I really do. So, mm-hmm. but but so this was the this was our second um, the second time the three of us hunted together, and I got a point. I I, I got to reference one other quick story before we move on because I know we're we're getting long in time here, but. Nick made a comment earlier when he was talking about, you know, how organized and Tom, you go much further than I am. I'm, I feel like when it comes to hunting and those kind of things, I'm pretty organized. I have a, um, a definite system for most of what I do. Um, and Nick, I forget exactly how you said it, but you just pretty much, you fly by the seat of your pants. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so we we left public land on this same hunt. You guys hunted a week that time. It was a full week. So we hunted mm-hmm. public land for several days, and then we drove down towards Middle Georgia, and we hunted that for, I think we ended up hunting down there a day and a half, two days. But we we had hunted in the morning. We drove straight down there. We, we got out. We hunted that afternoon. We came back. Y'all got to know Nick. Nick, n- Nick. Nick eats. He he's 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 a big boy and he loves to eat. So we come up to the truck and I got everything packed in the back of the truck. We haven't even unloaded anything yet. And Nick decides he's going to fix himself a sandwich. Well, I'm <laughs> running around there trying to trying to square things away, and the only thing I hear is the sound of glass shattering. Um, because somehow in the in the process of opening a loaf of bread, Nick knocks my lantern over and shatters the the globe out of the lantern, and and he. He has never, nor will he ever hear the end of that. In fact, to this day, I still have a spare globe that I bought when I bought the replacement for that, and it's sitting on top of my 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 gun safe in my in my my basement. And I pretty much remind Nick every time he's here, I've got this just for the next time that you try to handle one of my lanterns. So, well, we got it. We got to back up a minute here. 
because <laughs> the morning we were getting <laughs> Steve and Tom know how I am. So we we when they were loading the truck, they didn't ask me to do anything. <laughs> they were the, they went out, they disappeared. And I, I was doing something. And, and you've they, only recently figured out that that was intentional. <laughs> so they're back in the truck, and it's like it's like Tetris. They're like putting, they're painstakingly putting everything in the truck. Jenga. Yeah, exactly. And they know how this is going, and I'm like, I just don't fit here, so I'm just gonna go back in the house. So I did. And when we got when we got to the place we were hunting, we I had unknowingly pulled the linchpin of the entire operation and Steve's cooler out first before I even let them get a chance to unload. Now everybody needs to understand <laughs> that all of this stuff in the back of that truck had managed to be on the road for over two hours and go into one of the nastiest, roughest, rockest, rut-ridden dirt roads you've ever seen, and nothing broke. That, so, that you know, cooler was the keystone <laughs> to the entire archway that was the back of that loading job. And I just yanked. And, and the funny thing is, is Tom was watching me do it. Tom is, is undoing straps, and he's pulling stuff up the top. And I just saunter up to the back of the truck, pull the tailgate down, grab the cooler, yank it out. And Tom goes, no, don't. And then <laughs> no, no, everything Nick, fell. That happened in slow motion. <laughs> like, you, you, have, you have to experience it like... and then all of a sudden crash yeah playing and the funny part of that happened that happened after that was that i was like steve played it off like like nothing happened he's like he's like yeah well you know he's like those things are only like five dollars anyway he goes i got extra globes he goes i don't even know if we need one you know it's fine it's my spare lantern and then, like, five times throughout that trip, he brought up, he'd say something like, oh, yeah, look, I went to go buy that glass globe to replace the broken one, and it was like 50 bucks. <laughs> and I, so I get on eBay, and I look up the globes, and they're like 25 $30, and he just keeps on bringing, it, it, he, we'd be sitting there, and all of a sudden, Steve would go, it'd be quiet, and Steve would go, vintage Coleman Lantern. <laughs> and the the best parts yet to come so the payback for that which you know i thought it was a good idea at the time but it ended up causing me and tom to get so little sleep not maybe probably me more than tom but um so nick got the nick got the the noisy cot after that and i think did you manage to get more than a couple hours of sleep <laughs> Any night in that cot. No. And what, <laughs> so here's the funny part. We were sleeping in this cabin and it was a nice cabin. Awesome I liked cabin. the cabin. It was it was yeah. it was an awesome cabin. I mean it right down to like the pirate flags and stuff on it and stuff. I mean it was just a cool cabin. Well we walked in and uh when we were unloading and we looked in the cabin and there was a bed there that looked like nobody had slept in it and someone might have died in it. Like it, it, there was it, it, at least two inches of dust on the top of this comforter, <laughs> and we were like, we all decided that nobody was sleeping in that bed. Nope. So the only option for me was this cot that they knew creaked. <laughs> so they give they gave oh it was terrible. 
they give it to me, the six foot three, two hundred and sixty five pound guy. They give me the squeaky cot. So I sleep on this cot, and every time I move, it's the most terrible nail on chalkboard sound, screeching like Steve said. So I'm like, I gotta lay here perfectly still until these guys fall asleep because I move a lot. So I'm sitting there like coffin style in my sleeping bag, <laughs> sitting perfectly still. And I hear Tom go to sleep, Steve go to sleep, and I'm still up staring at the ceiling. And I'm like, I think I can move. In like the moment I even, I lifted a butt cheek. And the thing went, <laughs> and Steve goes, <laughs> you know, starts staring on the other thing. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, this is terrible. And I eventually fell asleep, but no, that was the worst cot ever. You still have that, don't you? You probably didn't even throw uh, that out. That was awful. Oh, no, I'm saving it for the next time that you need a cot. Mm-hmm. Then that was the same night I, I had to go out and use the outhouse. And uh, the outhouse that actually influenced me to go outside in the woods the rest of the trip. Because I, <laughs> I walk out to this outhouse... And there's, there's like one roll of toilet paper. And so it's one of those things where if you like, you, if you're going to go into an outhouse at night and you don't know if it's been, you don't turn the light on because you don't want <laughs> You don't want to know what's in there. You just do your business and you innocently walk out and go back to bed. Well, I walked out there and I, 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 I turned my light on and, and it was a, it was like a freaking horror movie in that outhouse. There was spider webs. I've never seen <laughs> cobwebs like this in my life with southern spiders, those orb weavers and stuff all over the place above me. Like I happened to look up and just about lost my mind. And I go down to, you know, to get the toilet paper and it's covered with spider <laughs> insects. Just I was like this is awful. But. And you're not you're not you're not explaining this r- very well either. You you say outhouse for people in the south, they picture an outhouse. This was a portage. You know, it was a portage. I call that it had that. been it 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 had to have been sitting there for at least twelve years. <laughs> I mean, it was. Oh my god, this thing was nasty. You no, know, because outhouses would have been nicer. <laughs> oh yeah, an outhouse would have definitely been an upgrade. Uh, a a two sto- a two story or two floor outhouse would have been an upgrade to that thing. It was yeah, it was bad. No, uh, a, no, a sharp birch stump was an improvement <laughs> over that. But man, that was something that trip. I how, but you survived. We, you we survived. survived. But you know that. Um, that no, that wasn't the Mean Streets of Macon trip. That was uh, no, that was in that. We're getting there. Yeah, that getting, was yeah. That was uh, we there. There there was a forty yard forty yard twelve ring shot on a on a wagon. Mackenzie target yeah i brag about that well, that i couldn't pull that off again in a hundred years well, but the, the funny thing about that particular spot is that we were on hot public land hunting we had all that act activity for two days and this particular spot was supposed to be teeming with just spilling over with game and we got there and we didn't i saw a family of raccoons that was you the heard hot, deer that was yeah <laughs> It was the highlight of the trip. <laughs> we, we left private land after one day and went back to public land. <laughs> uh, and, and those does are still blowing at Nick to this day, I believe. Uh, so, uh, well, wow. 
Yeah. So uh, we'll flash. We'll flash forward. So, and if if people aren't getting it by now, um, we haven't we haven't done a lot of damage on the on the the, the wildlife population. Um, we just we have some special luck. So <laughs> you know what's funny is we so, all do pretty darn good on our own, and when we get together, it is not good. Well, well, based on a lot of these stories, I'm uh, as I'm sitting here listening to them myself, I'm starting to understand why. Um, <laughs> oh, this is na- this is National Lampoon's bow hunting Southern bow hunting trip is what this is. So, uh-huh. so so right after that. Um, so that was November, and then the following, the following February, I think it was the following February. Doesn't That's really matter. Right. Uh, there was uh, so um, uh, Darren Nunez from Traditional Archery Society used to do. He did a couple years a hill gang hog hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I went to the first one. It was, uh, and I I didn't make the first. Yeah, one. it was in Okamogi. Uh, yep, WMA in Georgia, and. Uh, a whole bunch of guys with hillbows showed up, and I don't think we killed a single pig. I mean, there were a pretty good number of us. A lot of fun. A lot of a lot of great times. Really met some wonderful people. And y'all had y'all had some pretty good weather for that. And except it seemed like I remember it was was it rainy? I don't remember it being too rainy. It was it was cool, but not bad. Um. Yeah, the first hunt was pretty good. So that that I can't remember the year, but it was a bunch of fun. And they planned a second. And when the second one came up, I was talking to you guys, and I'm like, Nick, you could jump in my car. We can go down like we did the last couple trips. Grab Steve, and then we can like just jet down and hunt some pigs. Which which <laughs> Nick Nick jumped all over. He was all for it. And I will tell you guys before we get into this a little bit so uh we i just had a a interview discussion with with rc Uh. who was actually robert carter who was on this hunt so one of the stories that may come out of this he's actually already talked a little bit about but that's okay we'll get a fresh perspective from the participants but so you guys drove down and the plan was you were going to uh you you drove i don't remember the 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 dates now but you, you showed up here um, we, we had dinner here, uh, with my family and, and slept here and got up. I think we got up the next morning and drove down or sometime the next day and drove down. Uh, cause I know we were, we drove down in, in, in daylight in two vehicles, right? You had your truck, in, with right? Two vehicles, all the hunting yep. gear, hunting gear and the tents and, and so forth. Yep. Now, and, and I mentioned this with RC, but I got to tell it with you guys on here. So the 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 joke as you guys were driving down was your plan was to to show up at at the campground in in Okmulgee at the WMA in shorts and flip flops. Now, what people you'd have to you have to see this to appreciate it, but I don't think the temperature got above twenty in the daytime that whole weekend. And most of the time it was below 20 degrees and it was a 20 plus, 20 plus mile an hour wind. I don't think I've ever spent a more miserable uh, <laughs> weekend in a tent. Um, I remember climbing into on the cot and I don't remember. I think we ditched the noisy cot at this point, but we each had our, and that's a whole nother story. I don't go into that. I would remember getting into my sleeping bag fully clothed and wearing my, 
and my my beanie and actually wearing a a, a a wool knit toboggan and pulling that down all the way to the tip of my nose just to stay warm enough that I could sleep. It was it was just it was miserable. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So we're driving two vehicles. We we hit 75 and we head down towards uh, Okmulgee and the last big town that you go through before you get to this WMA is Macon, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Now, M- Macon is a Macon itself is actually a pretty it's it's not it's not as big as Atlanta, but it's a pretty big town, pretty big city. And I don't remember exactly where we stopped, but we stopped to fill up with gas. We stopped in the wrong place. We definitely stopped in the wrong. Well, it wasn't. It was bad. It could have been worse. It was bad, but what happened after was 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 the worst part. So, um, I, I think should I? Yeah, you guys had you guys had followed me until we stopped to get gas. Mm-hmm. And I go ahead. I, I I remember stopping for gas, and we 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 did some. There were some funny things that happened there at the gas station, but go ahead, Tom. You can remember it better than I can. I was going to say, like, unless Nick really wants to tell it, I, I, I think I have a pretty good perspective on this one. Well, I'll give you my perspective after you give your perspective. All right. So, <laughs> I, I, I'm the only one in a vehicle by himself at this point, uh-huh. so everybody keep that in mind. And you're conveniently locked in your vehicle on the very last parking spot with the nose of the vehicle pointing out to a road where you have full 360 degree observation of everything around you and was paying a close attention to the full 360 degrees with a cocked and locked 45 in my in my lap go ahead okay so <laughs> that kind of sets a stage so there's your comfort factor so i think i pulled into the gas station and went around to the passenger side because nick was going to drive at that point and I'm looking around, and I've been some really bad places. <laughs> I mean, internationally bad places. And this place has got my attention. Undivided. I don't know how much to say to something public. I mean, it's all totally legal, right? I, I have a CPL. We have reciprocity. It's the, I think right. probably one of the only times where I've had a gun in each hand in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> The the mean streets of Macon. It was. <laughs> the mean streets of Macon. Um, yes. And so, it'd be, it's, you know, everything's tucked away, right? You can't see anything. It's, you know, but clearly ready to, like, sh- shoot our way out if we have to. And um, Nick's pumping gas. I have no idea what his idea of the situation is. <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm ready to cover him, like recover the body, like hit the gas, like do whatever's got to get done. And fill up the gas tank, he gets in. That freaking possessed GPS that I have that picks all the wrong roads tells us to take a right coming out of the gas station. So, so wait, wait we got to back up. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, what I, you I got to understand it. here is. As bad as it is at the gas station, it's about to get worse. So before that, you got to understand what I'm doing this whole time. All right. So I pump the gas and uh, I get into the car, the passenger seat. And um, Tom goes, hey, he's filling out his his journal. All right. He's got got his gun underneath the journal. (laughs) 
You remember you're, you remember what I said at the start of this about Tom being pretty meticulous and he's always so, going to do certain things? I wasn't going to miss that intro. Well, he goes, so there was a Burger King there and uh, next to the gas station. And and so he goes, he goes, hey, watch my sex for me while I fill this out. And I basically said, look, a Burger King got out of the car, walked to the Burger King. What about that? <laughs> went to the bathroom, bought a hamburger, and came back like nothing was going on. <laughs> so Nick, Nick, Nick tends to be a little clueless at times. <laughs> Do you like Burger King? I got back in, and he goes, he didn't, I didn't even know what he said, but... That's when the rest of this started. But he literally said, like, I was, the whole time I was thinking Puppet Gas was that, man, that's a Burger King. And I, I walked re- over, I remember I walked over and Tom rolled the window down like an inch and a half <laughs> for me, for me. And I said, where, where did Nick go? He said, I, I don't know. He said, I, uh, he said something about, I told him, I told him to watch, and I'm, you may have said I told him to watch my six, and he got out and left me. And I left the door uh, open, too. I, I just left the door open <laughs> and walked, just beelined it for Burger King. Like, I had to go to the bathroom. That was all I could think of, but then I just, like, bought a hamburger and came back, and he didn't really say anything to me. He just kind of just got back in the car, and, and he was messing with the Garmin, and, and then the Garmin garbined us. Okay, go now. Go ahead with go ahead with the Garmin this story. This kind of shows uh, like the whole life experience difference between Nick and I up to this up to this day. Yeah. So, so we turn right coming out of that gas station, and uh, if anybody didn't read like early writings or or haven't picked up on the stories online, I had a GPS that I am absolutely one hundred percent sure was possessed by Satan. <laughs> and it would send you, I mean, it, it, it would tend send you to the most horrible places in the world. And this was one of the days when it really, sh- like, went over the top. It really shined. So, turned right out of the gas station. And it's like, turn left in 0.7 miles. Okay. Go through a couple couple intersections. You know, turn, turn left. Turn left. So, we turn left. Ah, turn right. Like, Stuff's looking real shaky, right? Um, oh, shaky. So if anybody, here's a way I can best describe this. You have that moment where you recall, I can't believe I'm going here, the National Lampoon's Vacation when Clark Griswold says, roll them up. <laughs> this is what we're in. I mean, it, you're expecting gunshots to go off at any time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was, no, I mean, it, there was wild dogs. running down the road so (laughs) the the closest thing that i ever experienced was being in uh, a ghetto in panama uh panama city panama so yeah post invasion and it, it was scary i mean there were there were guns everywhere and you were not yeah nobody nobody wanted you there and it was high tension right um and then I went to Macon, Georgia, and we took a right, and it turned out to be a dead-end street. It dead-ended at a cemetery, and I thought that was really uncomfortable. 
And Nick's driving. I don't know how aware he is of the situation at this point. I don't even know why I was driving. <laughs> why because, I was driving. Because legally I could <laughs> but, have but, guns but, in my hands and you couldn't. Oh, that, that's right. I remember that now. Yeah. But Tom and I are both thinking, whatever you do, don't stop rolling. And that's what I started chanting. So there was a dirt, <laughs> like, I don't know if it was a driveway or a two-track or just where people drove. But as the road hit the cemetery, there was a place where you could, like, drive along the property line. And we're in a freaking Prius. And I'm like, Nick, hard right. Don't take your foot off the gas. Like, go. Go, 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 go. And at this point, like, <laughs> we're, we're kind of like driving the property line of the cemetery. And I look in the, I can see you in the rear view, Steve. I can see the, the truck. And I remember wondering if I should tell Nick to roll down all the windows. Because on the driver's side, you can do that. Because I'm like, I don't want to shoot through windows that if I can avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> and like... But you look ahead, and there's a four-way intersection at the end of the cemetery. And there's, like, Cadillac Escalade. Like, there's a few vehicles there, and there's a congregation of people. And it doesn't look good. And I remember saying to Nick, I'm like, as soon as you hit that intersection, hard left, pedal to the floor. We got to get out of here. Don't stop for anything. And they were, what's that? They were standing, they were standing in the middle of the road. It was almost a blockade. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you've got like Dobermans running around. You know, when I said wild dogs, there's just stray Dobermans and stuff running around, like not nice dogs, like mean looking dogs. And then these, these dudes with these expensive cars, just off to the intersection, right in the middle of the road. Yeah, and we and yeah. I was just thinking, oh man, they're dealing. This is not good. <laughs> this is not good. If they were only dealing, I would have felt so much better. <laughs> but we hit the intersection, and you were like, whip the left hand turn, and I was like, kind of like did like the like little like nod, like, hey, just a lost Yankee. Don't mind the guy in the Prius, and. No, no guns came out. No shots were fired, right? Like we didn't receive fire in that moment. And you started accelerating, Nick. And I watched Steve make the turn behind us because I was kind of worried about how that might go. And as we cleared, there was a building to our right. And as we cleared through that intersection, there were um, SWAT teams stacking. So they were on vehicles with like the, uh, uh, I don't know, whatever, the, the foot rails on the sides, like the Suburbans with, you know, all black helmets, face masks, machine guns, whatever, holding onto the roof racks. And they're stacking up, getting ready to go in. And I just remember the guy in the intersection looking at us and he pointed at you and he was like giving the go, 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 get out of here like arm movement, like get out of here. And I looked up and that's when I saw the bird. There was a helicopter way up there that was watching us. And as we went through the, uh, there was like a little bit of, uh, 
I don't know, it's another intersection a little bit further up. And we went through that. Then there were, I don't know, what do you guys think? Like eight or ten vehicles? Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it was a full-on... Yeah, we were in absolutely the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> and uh, I, it felt very good to holster my arms when we left. We were just trying to get to this... Just trying to get a Prius and a pickup to a hog hunt outside of Macon, and we end up in the middle of a SWAT sting operation. (laughs) 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 Which, yeah, that's just any, and you're not even exaggerating. That's exactly how that happened. Oh, it is. (laughs) Oh, I'm not. I'm not embellishing anything. Like I've been in some bad spots. That was a pretty bad spot. And I just remember, like Jess, like, yep, we're gonna go hog hunting. Like, no big deal, right? <laughs> Lori, yep, going on a pig hunt, no big deal. I had no idea what was ahead of us in, in Macon, Georgia. And Jess has never heard the story. I mean, this part of it. I mean, I, I was... Does she, does she listen to the podcast? I doubt it. <laughs> uh, I, uh, my, my, I mean, you talk about being butt-puckered the entire time. <laughs> Like this is how it's gonna be. This is how we're. This is how it's yeah. gonna happen. Well, and Dick, you're driving that road, right? I mean, it's not like it's just a plain dirt road. It's like a two track with like it's kind of sideways and like you know like steep hills. Red clay. And, I mean, it was not like just driving a dirt road. It was like, is this thing gonna get stuck here? Because if we get stuck, we're probably dead. Mm-hmm. It just it just hit me. So the whole time Nick is thinking, my last meal was Burger King's. <laughs> Gas station Burger King. Uh, I think you part of me okay, thinking, guys, man, we, I'm, we, I'm glad I went to the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> at least I'll die, die comfortably. <laughs> Comfort, uh, uh, all right, guys, we 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 gotta we gotta try to wrap this thing up. But I do. There's a so there's just a couple more things from that hunt. I do I do want to cover. Uh, one of those being, uh, and RC did bring this up was the, the the three little tents. So we managed to go in in our haste to get our camp set up. Hmm. We had three different tents. We and I don't think we've ever done that before. But we had three separate tents set up. Or we were each planning on using a separate tent. Um, as we get there, I'm just dragging these things out and, and throwing them, and and we start each started setting up our own tent. We didn't even realize it before we before we finished. Half the people that are in camp are laughing <laughs> at us because we've we've set these tents up in ascending order. You couldn't have planned it any better. It was, and I think they called it the three little tents because it was like small, medium, and large, just right in uh-huh. a row. Um, yeah, the, and, and, uh, everybody still remembers it cause RC brought it up that when I mentioned Oak Mogi, that was the first thing out of his mouth was the, the three little tents and the, big, um, the biggest guys in the six by six, me on the end, this little red dome tent that I couldn't even yep. fit my yeah, sleeping pants in all the way without sticking out the edges. You remember <laughs> that lantern you broke? Um, <laughs> So, so uh, all right. So we set the tents up. We were in a hurt again. It was cold. We were trying to. We were literally trying to get so our, our tent set up because we wanted to go. The plan was we were going to get the tent set up. We were going to go cut firewood. So I had to chainsaw and all this stuff. We we're going to get firewood. So we get the tent set up. We're everything's everything's good to go there. And 
And what we're about to get into, we've hinted at this three armadillo or three era armadillo story multiple times on the podcast. So this is where that that took place. We we threw the chainsaw in the truck. We had everything else unloaded. We're going to cut this firewood, and somebody made the comment: we should carry we should carry a bow just in case we run across a hog. Now, my my truck was a, a extended cab, so I've got my bow. And this was a, a Northern Miss Classic mm-hmm. six, 70-inch longbow. And I've got it in the front. And I know there was more arrows. I don't remember if there was another bow, but I know— There's several and bows. And this is going to come out in the story. There's several bows, but none of them strung. Mine's the only one that strung. Just got so there. So yeah. we go— Right. We just got there. So we drive out. We find a, a a bunch of trees that were on the ground real quick and easy. I jump out, and I'm cutting firewood like a madman. Tom and Nick's throwing the firewood in the truck. And I don't think we probably spent 15 minutes cutting firewood. And we had, a, we had all the firewood we could burn for the weekend. So mm-hmm. we pile back in the pickup. And the whole time, we're none of – I've never – you've been to the WMA. Nick's never been. I've never been. So – we're kind of looking around, getting the lay of the land, that kind of thing. And we're riding back to camp, and this poor, poor – I'm sorry, are you going to say something? I was just going to say, let's uh, let's keep it classy. Yep. Continue on. There's an armadillo crossing the road. Um, and I don't remember exactly how it happened, but somewhere along the line, the decision was made that we were going to see if we could – take this armadillo out and they're not i mean they're they're invasive species here for georgia but it's kind of like paul so, bruner right like you're out hunting something until you see a grouse and that turns into a grouse hunt. It, it, exactly right it was just like wanting to shoot those grouse that we didn't have tags for when we were in wyoming you know it's just like we're we're mule we're we're, we're hog hunting but there's an armadillo <laughs> so kind of like squirrel um so I don't remember if I even put the truck in park, um, but I bailed out of the truck. I've got my bow, and I've got one arrow. <laughs> and this thing is probably 15 yards, maybe. I don't know. And I draw back. I hit anchor, and the the arrow's on the way. As soon as that arrow was on the way, and you guys know you saw it so but i try to describe this for people people listen to the podcast if you remember the toys when you were growing up that had this you know they were like frogs and and turtles and they had this little spring on them and a suction cup base and you'd stick the suction cup onto the table and you'd press this thing down and it would latch together and it would sit there for a few minutes and all of a sudden it would just pop up in the air that's exactly what this armadillo did. That thing oh, yeah. went from standing stone still right in the middle of the road to being elevated a foot off the ground, and my arrow went right where the armadillo was when I let go, and he hit the ground, and he was perfectly fine. And I wouldn't say he took off running. For an armadillo, he was probably <laughs> running, but he, he, he's headed for parts unknown. I'm sitting there thinking, I need to get another arrow. And before I could uh, even turn around, m- yeah. So as you were grabbing your bow, there's one event that happened <laughs> in the meantime. So I yelled at you. I said, <laughs> how many pounds is that bow? <laughs> because I had two I bows and two sets of arrows. And you yelled to me how many pounds your bow was. And I thought, 
Oh, that's perfect. I'll grab this arrow. So we had that little discussion okay. right before you took your first shot. And I honestly, uh, again, you—I was saying earlier—I go into hunt mode. I was in kill mode. I don't—I don't remember saying a word to you. All I remember is the look, the, the feeling of astonishment when this armadillo is airborne, <laughs> and thinking, "I'm gonna have to shoot again." And before I could do anything, my bow is ripped from my hand with such force. And I feel a whoosh as something goes by me. Tom, in one motion, is on the run, passes me, grabs my bow, and is knocking what had to be a telephone pole. on The bow was 60 pounds, and I know that arrow that you were shooting was 900 grains. Mm -hmm. I, I, I see the, the bow come to, and it had the, the, I believe he was shooting the 200 grain super express. I mean, you've got to, yeah. you've got to hatch it. Yeah. you got to hatch it on the end of this stick that you're getting ready. It looks like it's half the size of the armadillo. <laughs> Probably was that poor critter. Um, yeah. yeah. And I'll, so I'll let you continue from there. Cause that's, I just remember the whoosh. I mean, it was like you could feel the, the earth move as Tom went by and grabbed that bow. So all I knew is I didn't have a bow to shoot. And when you told me how many pounds your bow was, I was like, Oh, I've got an arrow for that. And, <laughs> and I opened up my arrow case and I grabbed one arrow, one razor sharp, perfect, just, beautiful arrow and I look up and I'm coming around the back of the truck and I watch you hit anchor and shoot and that thing does like this pogo straight up in the air <laughs> arrow goes straight underneath it the thing lands almost on your arrow and starts scrambling and in this moment I wasn't there to hunt armadillos but you became an armadillo hunter. But it's, I mean, and, and a few people that I've hunted with where, you know, we wanted to put down a wounded animal, you know, something clicks in and you want to get it done, right? As soon as, as, soon as the decision's made that you're going to, you know, hunt something, that's the decision. So I've got the arrow. There's the animal. It's trying to get away. Part of me knew that it, it probably wasn't scathed yet. But all I remember is as I ran past you, like, heads up, or I can't remember what I said, but I scooped that bow. Like, I ripped it out of your hand, whipped that arrow down, and, I mean, close with and engage. So I... Uh, got up to a great spot, kind of as it was cresting the hill, and I, I got a clean shot off and was pleased, the pleased enough with that. Jump. No, no. Say, 900 grain arrow, it's it's not going to hear that coming. The reason we call it the three arrow is the, the second one this the second one made contact, but put the armadillo out of its misery, took the, the third arrow. That's the reason it's called the three arrow armadillo. But that was that was an experience. I Again, I've never seen an animal that jumped straight up in the air like that nor have i ever had my bow ripped out of my hand like <laughs> i've had uh, and tom was on a tom was on a mission I, and, and i don't think it was a foot i think it was it, like uh, four it, i mean that thing went way it, up yeah it was it was unbelievable and well, nick's sitting back watching you, all this uh, 
Yeah, I, I was pretty much, uh, I was in shock. I don't even think I got out of the truck. Not at first. Uh, so, from my perspective, Steve and Tom barreled out of the truck. Almost, I swear the thing was still rolling to a stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With it, and I'd never seen an armadillo. This was the first armadillo I'd ever seen. And... They, they told me about them, and I was like, oh, so it's like an armored possum, which is basically what they are, you know. And, and I was like, you know, when I wanted to see it. You know, so they went, I think I was sitting in the back of the truck, actually. And, but Tom had basically leapt from the truck. Somebody said, Dilla. <laughs> Mid-sentence of whatever conversation we were having. Got out. <laughs> and, and, and I got to tell you. I, I I could see the look in Tom's eye when he went running to grab Steve's bow, and that all happened. And I never want to see a, a man look at me that way with that look in his eye because it was the most primal, violent look oh. I have ever seen in a, in a living creature. Man, I, I can't tell you how many armadillos I've let pass. I to my in my entire life I have shot one armadillo. I don't have a mean bone in my body well, toward them. It was something no nope. something flicked the and switch. Then, Once it was like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna kill this animal, it was like, okay, let's get it done. Mm-hmm. But and I, then I yeah. After it's the only one I ever shot. After it was dispatched after it was dispatched. And Tom came down off the testosterone. <laughs> We're standing there. And Tom goes, you know, he's cleaning off his arrow and he goes, you know, they carry leopards. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's why I never shoot them. Oh, man. And that just, <laughs> and that just made it for me. <laughs> that whole part of it. And then after that, I mean, we pretty much, and, and when you guys just said it was cold, it was as soon as that, I mean, it was cold in general, but as soon as that, that sun went down, it got downright uncomfortably cold. Mm-hmm. There was no way to warm up. Everybody was struggling to get fires going. Um, you couldn't get a fire going fast enough. I remember burning my, one morning we got up, I remember burning my fingers on the percolator. That's right. Trying to warm my hands. I had no feeling in my fingers at all it, it was it was cold yeah it was it's without a doubt the the coldest the, the coldest camp i've ever i've ever had i mean it was just it was just miserable uh well and here's the deal with that nobody was drinking water in the camp because when you got up the last thing you wanted to drink was cold water i mean we had the water all sitting outside you know, the only the only the only thing that was drinkable was the water in the cooler. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> because it was keeping it warm enough to you know, without any ice in it, it was keeping it warm enough where you could actually get to it. But um nobody was drinking water and we were moving around a lot and we were spending a lot of energy keeping warm throughout the day, but all you wanted to drink was coffee. So, you know, everybody's just down in caffeine. And uh, I don't know if we're, this is where you guys were going next, but uh, that finally caught up with me one night. Um, 
I didn't realize how much black coffee I'd actually been drinking. I mean, I pretty much, that's all I was drinking was black coffee, like I said. And we, um, one night we all went to bed and, uh, in about, I, I, and like Steve said, I was, I was the same way. I had a beanie on, I had my base layers, I had base layers over my base layers. I was, I had two sleeping bags cause my sleeping bags sucked. So I had two sleeping bags on. Steve had given me these rubber sleeping mats which were pretty much my saving grace because I was comfy. I was comfy. And then that small tent was keeping all the heat in. So, you know, I was cocooned up in that thing, but there was no room to move. I was absolutely toes on the side of the tent, head on the, bulging out the other side of the tent, you know, and um, I couldn't move. Well, you know, if you're stuck in one position long enough, um, you're going to start cramping up. Uh, if you haven't been drinking water and at about two in the morning, I moved my leg just enough and pain just shot from, from my calf moved up my thigh on my right leg all the way up, you know, to my, to my butt, my back. I mean, it shot all the way through me. And I said, I got to get up and I got to get drink water right now. It was terrible. And so I couldn't shoot up. So I had to do it really slowly. So I kind of inched out of the bag and I like need my arm out of there or need my need out of the sleeping bag and tried to roll on the floor and get out of there. Well, as soon as I move my left leg, it cramped up. And at this point, I'm almost paralyzed from the waist down from these cramps and I fell out of bed. I was still in the sleeping bag. I I <laughs> tore open the side hatch of my tent. Everybody's sleeping. Well, they were. And I, <laughs> they were. I slugged my way outside of this tent, you know, like breaking out of a cocoon. And I went and I I, I stumbled around until I found the water. I had I had a brick. It was a brick of water. Is basically what it was, one of these coolers. So I start, bang, I picked it up, and I was couldn't get any water out of it. So I grabbed it like a caveman <laughs> with a rock, and I started beating it against the ground <laughs> to the point where I got, I loosened up enough water to drink it, and I filled my water bottle, and I drank like two huge bottles of that water to the point where I could finally stand. It then like slunk back into my tent and fell asleep. And I didn't think anybody heard me. Hmm. So, Every, everybody so heard you, especially because <laughs> you're, you're in a tent that you could barely move in anyway. I mean, it, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm surprised we didn't wake up the next morning to find four holes in the tent, one for each foot and one for each arm. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised the tent didn't collapse around me while I was moving like that. So yeah, everybody got up the next day and they were like, oh, Nick, how'd you sleep? And I was like, oh, it was good. You know, I slept all right. And uh, Tom looked at me weird and said like, you know, I thought I heard some <laughs> raccoons out there last night around camp. Well, I was giving something. you an out. <laughs> uh, so much happened on that hunt though. But man, we've been, we've been talking so long about this stuff. Man, the time's just been slipping. Yeah, by, yeah, huh? we're gonna have to wrap this up because we're we're getting close to the the two hour mark. And what's bad is there's there's still there's still stuff that happened on these these hunts that we we kind of skipped over. And but, more hunts. Um, 
Yeah. We could do it again sometime though. We got we Yeah, got yeah, we may we may we may definitely have to we may definitely have to do that. But uh I think we're going to have to put a put a pin in yeah. here guys. Um just just enough because a lot of people are are I know two hour podcasts don't don't play well with some folks and that's where we're at, but uh I will just I will just wrap up by just saying Guys, I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade these memories for for anything. I'm if nothing else, I'm glad we we captured this, you know, tonight, so we can we can listen back on it ourselves. But yep, um, mm-hmm. it's it's been a blast. I I really look forward to uh, future adventures. We we've got to figure out a way sometime in the next year or so for the three of us to 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 find a camp somewhere and just you know do another hunt with just the three of us again because we sure seem to have a, a lot of fun. Um, Mm-hmm. For everybody else that's listening, uh, I, I would just say I, I hope you enjoyed you know some of the, some of this as much as as we've enjoyed kind of reliving it, and uh, uh, we'll 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 definitely try to to share some other adventures with you in the future. But until next time, I'll just say thanks everyone for listening. If you if you get a chance and you're enjoying the content, please head out and leave us a a five star rating and review on your your favorite podcast platform. And until next time, we'll. Talk at you soon. Good night, guys. Thanks, people. Good night. Yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs>